Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back. This is Chuck Swirsky coming your way at uh, just at 4 a.m. right here on 670 The Score at 312 312- 644-6767-312-644-6767. All right, I uh, want to remind you, you're listening to a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank, and it's uh, notagameillinois.com. And don't forget, on Wednesday, you can join 670 The Score at the Circus Sportsbook Grand Opening from the American Place Casino in Waukegan, Bernstein and Holmes, Parkinson Spiegel will broadcast their shows live from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Circus Sports Illinois mobile app has officially launched, so when you download the app, you can bet and fund from anywhere in Illinois. Coming up at 7 a.m., Ole Krutz with Mully and Haw. At 8 a.m., we have DJ Moore on Mully and Haw. 9 a.m. on Mully and Haw. Brad Biggs, and then with Bernstein and Holmes, Anthony Heron, Henry Burris, Dan Weider, and Parkinson Spiegel, Kurt Warner, Mark Grody, and Jalen Johnson for a great, great morning of 670 The Score and NFL and Bears news. All right, we have uh, all the scores of all the games in the National Football League. And again, we will have complete coverage this morning because at uh, 5 o'clock, we're going to have uh, Dustin Rhodes with a pregame show, the pick six at six, and then Malia Hall, of course, during that uh, time period as well. In the National Football League last night, well, Kansas City wins it, but a squeaker 23-20 over the New York Jets in that ballgame. Patrick Mahomes really did not have a Mahomes game, but again, Kansas City did enough to win that ballgame. Buffalo's Josh Allen off to a torrid start. Four touchdown passes, ran for another. Buffalo beats Miami 48-20. Minnesota with a 21-13 win over Carolina. So if you combine the Panthers and the Bears, both teams are winless in eight games. And guess what? The Bears, remember, own Carolina's first-round pick. So if the draft were held today, the Bears and Panthers collectively for the Bears would have the first two picks in the NFL draft. Houston beat Pittsburgh 30-6. C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State 
He is putting together some impressive numbers early on. His second 300-yard game, he's thrown six touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Houston now with a record of 2-2. Two and two. Rams on the road beat the Colts in overtime 29-23. Tampa over New Orleans 26-9. Mayfield three touchdown passes. Philadelphia beat Washington, the Bears' next opponent, 34-31. Elliott with a 54-yard to win it for the Eagles, who are 4-0 for the second straight year. Tennessee, uh, Tennessee beat Cincinnati 27-3, Jacksonville 23, and Atlanta 7 in uh, some of the late games in the afternoon as the Chargers beat the Raiders. San Francisco wins again, and the 49ers are hot. They are 4-0. and All right, let's go to the segment again featuring Anthony Heron, Olney Krutz, and Patrick Manley. I thought they were they were showing up over there on Quinn Miners, right? The, the young guard for the Denver Broncos. I thought Justin Jones, like you're saying, I thought he was flashing in the backfield. Billings, um, I've heard rumors that is a strong human being on film. Now he grabs guys, he throws guys on mm-hmm. the ground. I don't know, two three times a game, he gets his hands on you and gets leverage on you. It's a bad deal for the center, and that started from week one against Green Bay. I think he's been playing. Pretty good football there in the middle of the Bears defense. But like you're saying, uh, Walker on the edge, he does a nice job when tight ends are one-on-one with him. He does a nice job setting that edge. He was showing up today with some penetration. Uh, Big Ant, actually, I, I got this question for you. I've said this a lot of times uh, on the game and post-game show. It's like in this Tampa 2 penetrating defense, to me it just seems like the Bears have uh, three nose guards out there, four nose guards besides Yannick Ngakwe. Right, because I played against his defense a lot, and I think like those guys they got playing end and three technique are actually nose guards. It's looking like that, man, because they're spending so much time down the middle of blockers, and that's really not what this scheme is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about working the outside half, the outside third, outside quarter of guys, and and trying to make them feel that even if you don't win clean, but to force that outside edge of the offensive blocker then you can get that pass protection on different levels. And then it can set up some of your twist stunts and pass rush games even more effectively if you just continue to crease that pocket over and over again. And I just think this is a D-line that came into today's game just spending so much time down the middle of blockers. And, yeah, you've had some mobile quarterbacks you've faced and guys who can extend plays, but you can't just spend the whole game power rushing and must rushing over and over again. And I'm not sure how much of it was game plan. And how much of it has just been guys, for whatever reason, not really trying to penetrate the edge of some of these offensive blockers. But it, it looked like there was a little step forward in that today. And, you know, trying to trying to find those signs four games into the season that it is a team that's developing and improving. And on a defense that's been so porous this season, a couple of times I think there were multiple three and outs that they forced in the game today with that young secondary. Jarrell Smith had some nice moments. And remember back in training camp when everybody was healthy and this defensive backfield was looked at as the strength of the team when every starter not named Jaquan Brisker wasn't injured. It was Tyreek Stevenson and Jarrell Smith were the two guys who they had drafted who were battling to start on the opposite side from Jalen Johnson. I thought Jarrell Smith, who's gotten more action the last couple of games, had some nice moments out there against a really talented Denver passing attack with some big body receivers who, who make some of those windows a bit bigger for Russell Wilson because of the size that they kind of present him in the window. But the, the, the thing that was more obvious, more apparent was the 
the growth of the Bears' passing attack, some of that maturation there with Luke Getze and Justin Fields. How much of this, Pat, do you, do you feel is now repeatable for the Bears? You know, we remember there was a stretch last season where they were averaging 30-ish points a game, largely off of Justin Fields' legs. Did you see mm-hmm. something that you felt repeatable today for Luke Getze, for Justin Fields, and this Bears' passing attack to become something that can start to put up yards and points on a more consistent basis? Yeah, I just think one is just the scheme moving Justin Fields a little bit more like he, like we've seen in the past when he's success, successful. I mean, for any quarterback in the NFL to go for 15 for 15, I don't care who you're playing against. Uh, if you're playing against a play calls, playing against a good defense, a bad defense, that's impressive. Uh, is that repeatable, 15 for 15 again? I don't know. I hope so. But uh, I just thought overall just the way they used him with his legs getting out of the pocket a little bit more, and it looked to me that they kind of simplified his reads. And he looked like he thrived in it. And he had you know, his first 300-yard game, 300 yard passing game. Congratulations to him. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one thing I would like to see uh, <laughs> to be repeatable if he can do that. But I just thought the play calls and the way they used him a little bit just felt better, and then they can continue to do that. This week against the, uh, the commanders is going to be interesting with that front four they have. They're definitely going to have to get him on the move. Olin, can I, can I ask you a specific question about, about the, the Bears offense and Luke Getze? Because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, obviously, Justin Fields, you know, basically said to the media, like, yeah, maybe part of his coaching. And then you get Chase Claypool the other day, and he's inactive today, but Claypool, when asked about whether or not he felt like he was being used correctly, says no. You know, DJ Moore kind of joking around one of the opponents. Hey, they're not using you right, bro. Yeah, tell me about it. There has been either both publicly or even, you know, just kind of thinking maybe this is off the record combo where it's been alluded to a few times. How do, you know, as you, you, you were a guy who spent the majority of your career with the Bears as like either one of or the main offensive leaders for this squad and several different play callers during your time here, some offenses better than others. From a player's mm-hmm. perspective, it felt that there are conversations to be had with a play caller. What's the proper way to go about that for, for guys who nothing seems to be working? So what is the, the proper protocol for anyone to go up to, to Luke Getzi up to this point and say, hey, man, let's, let's try this. Let's do this instead. Here's how we can maybe grow off of what we've been doing here early and it's not working. That's yeah, a great question. And the proper protocol really is the play caller, right? The play caller needs to go to the players. It's like if you're training somebody, like every set, it's like, uh, uh, how did that feel? How does your body feel? The next day you call someone you're training. How did that workout work, right? Same thing with, in anything. The play caller has to be the guy who approaches the players and say, what are you comfortable doing? Well, let me ask you to do that, right? What route do you like the best in our scheme? What plays did you like that we ran last week? And you have to constantly be asking questions and evaluating the way you feel about your offense, but the players and the way they feel, and then you got to find a balance in that. So if the play callers, I'm not saying Getsy's not willing to do that. I'm sure he is. But but when you hear people complain about that, it strikes me immediately that maybe the coach is not listening to them when they do respond, <laughs> when they do say something, when they do talk to their wide receiver coach, say, hey, Coach Tober, man, I really like this route. This is where I want to line up on that play. Here's what I want to run. I really feel comfortable doing this. It seems to me like there's a little bit of disconnect with the wide receivers right now with what they like, what they think works on offense, and what they're actually running. When I hear those things, all I think to myself is, okay, maybe we got a guy here who's not listening to his players. And and I'm just guessing. I I don't have any inside information on that. 
I don't know anything about that. But when you ask me that question, I think the proper protocol, Pat, is someone asking you, Pat, Pat, what do you want to do here on field goal protection? What, like, like, like Big Ant, well, if I think I, I want to talk about, uh, you know, for the high school team coach, I want to talk about a special team's trick play. Guess who I text? I text Pat Man. Makes sense to me, right? I'm going to ask him. So I don't know what's going on there, but when you hear those things, you do have to be a little bit worried about, about maybe this receiver room is getting a little bit frustrated right now with the way they're being used. Hey, Olin, how much in the O-line room were you talking to, like, Harry Heastan, Bob, or whoever, about schemes, plays you liked? Or how much would they come to you and say, hey, what do you think of this? You know, as I got older, obviously, as you earned the respect, right? Because, yeah. you know, as a coach yeah. also, you have to be, look, if you ask a player something on the field and he gives you an answer, you turn the film on, it's completely wrong. And you can't trust that <laughs> right. guy either, right? Because, well, yeah. no, I made that block. Well, the film says you did it here, right? So mm-hmm. some guys have seen ghosts out there and some guys actually see what happens in that 20-second window and they can communicate with you what's actually going on on the field and what they want and what they want to see. But – um, yeah, as you know, Pat, you were there. We talked a lot about run game and pass pro yeah. matchups yep. and, and things of that nature. And, and as I got older, you know, Harry, at that, my time when he came in, he was a young NFL coach, right, coming out of college. So uh, we had a great relationship in that respect. But that's just Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan's always taking his players' temperature. He's always asking you what plays you think you want to run, what blocks you think you're good at, things like that. So I, I don't know, Big Ann, in, in a short, the proper protocol to me is the coach starting it. Now, yeah, let me, then, this made me think about that, too, real quick, is Dave Tobe, who's one of the best to do it, right, special teams coach. I'm just thinking about if we saw a tough punt rush, he'd be like, how do you guys want to block this? You know, and, uh, what kind of – what return do you want to run this week for Devin with whatever they're running down on kickoffs? Who do you want to double? How do you want to run double arc, four, cat, you know, whatever all the different calls are? But you're right, that's the sign of a great coach is going to your players that you trust and really putting together a game plan that they feel confident and comfortable in and let them go out and play. And the, the reason I, I pose that question and pose it that way is, is because of the, I call it frustration, just with watching what the Bears offense had been and, and what, what they had been trying to execute coming into today. And, you know, you, you can't live and die with 15 carries a game for a quarterback. And that, that's certainly not for me personally, not anything I've been asking for, but a few design runs, and just consistent movement of the launch point. And, Pat, you, you keep making the point about how the, you know, they, they condense the reads for Justin Fields. That's huge because it gives a young quarterback a mental break and a physical break during the game. Like, yeah, it, it may require more of him, like, cardiovascular-wise as an athlete, but he's not just sitting in the pocket trying to read the full field, snap in and snap out like he's Drew Brees or somebody. Man, just, just let this athlete get on the move a little bit. Let him start to sort of feel the game in a way. And I thought there was a lot of that in the game plan today. And I would imagine it even enhanced the overall comfort that Justin Fields had with some of these drop-back scenarios. So I certainly do hope that it was, you know, eventually something that will be repeatable during the game. We got a guy, Kevin Lapka, who's uh, letting us know there's some quotes that are out there right now. And Matt Eberflew says it was Chase Claypool's choice to not be at the game today. Uh, I didn't see any shots of Chase Claypool on the sidelines. So it's definitely noteworthy. And one thing I mentioned when I was doing you know, uh, okay. you know what that reminds me of, Big Ant? That reminds me of who cares, right? That's just that reminds me of who cares. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I hate to say it, man. 
I, I wish, you know, I don't know Chase at all, but I mean, gosh, man, for a guy, I never get seen a guy do so little and get so much coverage. But that's yeah. the thing. I was actually just going to reference that because he's not someone who's yeah. built up credibility in this locker room, in this Chicago sports market. And there's just been so much heat with Chase Claypool kind of every step of the way here in his time with the Bears. And hard to know how much longer he'll be a member of the ball club at this point, Patrick. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We, we got to do uh, uh, who's sold here at some point. I don't know if Chase Claypool is an option for that or not. <laughs> I mean, I'll just tell you this, man. If, I'm a, if my teammate doesn't show up to the game, I'm done with him. I just I think he's done as a bear. Like I just don't, he has no credibility in the locker room. Uh, I would have no respect for him. Uh, you know, you got to be there, even if you're upset about being benched or deactivated and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You still have to be a teammate, man. That's I've lost complete respect for him as a teammate. If if I had somebody do that to to us, all. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just mean, think that you're 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 taking out on your teammates what you're yeah. mad about with, with the the higher ups, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the yeah. team, your teammates, and I'm going to be there on the sideline and uh, hanging out and talking about what I see on the field. And, and then uh, later I take my problems to uh, Ryan Pose and coach Eberflus or whoever I have to talk mm-hmm. to. Right. So um, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't know the whole situation. Obviously I'm not in the locker room. Uh, I thought Friday was interesting. Big Ant hit me with the movie I was talking about, right? He's, he's either incredibly <laughs> smart or incredibly stupid. So, which one? I don't know. Uh, I got Lawrence Holmes tweeted out. I think Loho was at the stadium today, actually. And he tweets out that Chase Claypool was not at the stadium, according to Matt Eberflus. Uh, Lawrence says, I asked him if he would have preferred he'd be at the stadium. And he said, quote, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, Lawrence went on to uh, end the tweet saying he expects Chase uh, Claypool to be at House Hall tomorrow and has a chance to be active on Thursday. Um, you know, Equinemius St. Brown was in there. He dressed for the first time at receiver in the game today. And the Bears offense had its best output of the season. Now, there was that sideline route where the Bears tried the flea flicker. Well, they ran the flea flicker in the game today. Mm-hmm. And Herbert kind of almost throws the ball over Justin Fields' head. Fields kind of bobbles it around a little bit. He feeds the ball over to Equinemius St. Brown that he doubled and triple catches, but did kind of narrowly corral it. So if you can be a good run blocker and you can be that guy, Chase Claypool just hasn't been productive enough as a bear for it to be a, you know, a big issue for the ball club for him not to be around. We do need to do who's hot and who's cold before we get out of here. I don't know if anyone immediately occurs to you, O, for a who's hot and a different guy for a who's cold from the game. Man, I, I almost want to pick the same guy, right? I want to pick Justin Fields. He, he was hot <laughs> and he was cold today. You know, I almost want to just say he covered all the bases for us. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that's why we talked about it. And I'm going to keep trying to convince you guys because that's the kind of guy I am. But that's why we talked about the end of the game, right? Like there's seven yeah. straight runs to Herbert, right? Seven straight. And remember now, Justin Fields, I'm just going back through all the plays here and watching him. Justin Fields scrambled for 20 yards to get that first down on third and 10. Right, and then you took the ball out of his hands, and I went back through the TV copy, guys, and, and for the guy who's hot and cold, and I just see Janoko standing by him. Like, no, I, I want I and I don't know, I can't see the full sideline. I just want to see the head coach talking to the franchise, well, with the guy who wants to be the franchise quarterback at that time and asking him, hey, man, what do you think? What do you want to do here? And I want to see the ball in his hands once in the last seven plays. Yeah, I, I, I got to go with Justin Fields. It's funny you said that, Olin, because I was going to say, can we do the first three and a half quarters of Justin Fields as the hot player? 
Because he was, man. You look at this stat line. This is this is what I want to see from a quarterback, right? 28 of 35, 80% completion percentage, 335 yards, 9.6 yards, an attempt, four TDs, one sack or one interception, four sacks, QB rating of 132. You would sign up for that every week, right? Every week no. you take that. Mm-hmm. But then you wouldn't take the last Pat. half of the fourth quarter. That's what's cold. Pat, yeah. let me give you guys this real fast before we get out of here, right? Borom gets that false start on third and five, right? In the last in the drive on the fourth and one drive. Not the last drive, the fourth and one. They go to third and ten. Justin Fields scrambles for 20 yards. Remember that? He ran out of the pocket, made a miss, mm-hmm. he's gone. 20 yards. He didn't t- he, the ball wasn't in his hands again for him to make a play. Hmm. They handed the ball off every time after that. That bugs me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the the pregame, one of the keys I mentioned this morning to Luke Ellis when he asked me about what one of the keys to the game, some of the keys to the game, feed the studs. And the Bears finally got to a point today where they said, no matter what, we are feeding the ball to DJ Moore. We are going to get one of the more stud, one of the more explosive Mm -hmm. weapons at quarterback on the move. And those are your two guys. If there's nobody else on offense, Mm -hmm. the defense is fear. Justin Fields with the ball in his hands and DJ Moore with the ball in his hands. People react to that. All eyes go to those guys when they get the rock. So I'm hoping that's something the bears can and will build off of moving forward here, because, you know, regardless of who the defense is, those two dudes, and then especially the way that can impact some growth, in the run game, everybody's mood, everybody's confidence builds off of that. I, I don't understand why the fourth game is the point where we finally get to that. You know, not not just the points aspect of it, but just the offensive approach finally showed that today. So I'm hoping that whatever, if there was a hard conversation between Iberflus and Getsy or Poles and somebody or Justin Fields and Getsy, whoever it was, that's the system the Bears have to run. He's got to be on the move, man, because it, it just it seems to make life easier and makes him into more of a playmaker. I mean, Olin, you, Jay Cutler was no Justin Fields on the hook, but the dude could move. And it seemed like when he was, like, feeling good in playmaker mode, that's when you guys' offense was really rolling at its best. Yeah, well, when, when Jay, Jay, as everybody knows, tremendously talented, right, and, and could make every throw. And like you're saying, big, strong, athletic and when he was on fire man he was going right he was he was dealing and he could run and he could move around that pocket and he could hit any part of field from anywhere on the field so he was like you're saying that kind of guy but but justin is the guy and that's why when we talk about man like what 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 why why wasn't he a part of the plan late in the game and and, you know i'm just watching the film guessing maybe he could have kept a couple of those uh, maybe it was his decision to hand it off. I don't know all the little details. I just know that at the end of the game, uh, like you're saying, you got him moving all day long. He's hitting all those throws all day long. Uh, and you're saying, you said it, Big Ant. I want to get DJ Moore and I want Justin Fields, right? I want those two. So at the end of the game, we didn't go to them. All right, great conversation you heard last night right here on 670 The Score featuring Olin Krutz along with Patrick Manley and Anthony Heron talking about D.J. Moore, who will join Mully and Haw at 8 a.m. in just about, oh, I would say three and a half hours or so. This is Chuck Swirsky. We're going to take your calls. If you want to dissect the Bears game, 
You can call me, 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. Of course, you can always send a text as well. We have some great texts. We're going to get to them in just a moment, along with some highlights. And you on the phone lines, 312-644-6767. Denver rallies down 28-7 early in the third quarter and shocks the Bears in Chicago 31-28. Back with more in a moment. 670 the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome back at uh, 4.30 in the morning right here on 670 The Score. This is Chuck Swirsky, and we've had a very busy morning. Great calls, great texts. Although the tone of the text right now, folks, is that a lot of fans are just so much fed up with what's going on with the Bears. They now say after four games, and we're getting a lot of texts, they want the Bears to tank. Tank. They've got 13 games left, and the fans want the Bears to tank for draft picks. And I think that is a horrible, horrible decision. Hello? You play to win the game. Yes, you do. Thank you. That's Herm Edwards when he was at the podium uh, following a Jets game. And, uh, you know, here's the bottom line. You want a culture developed. You don't develop and nurture a culture or even begin a culture by intentionally losing or attempt to lose games or put yourself in a position to lose games. So, no, I don't agree with this. You don't tank. And especially with 13 games of the year, what are you, who are you going to play? What are you going to do? You're going to go with the fourth tackle and get Justin Fields killed? No. So, again, this is utter nonsense where the fans want the Bears to go into tank mode after four football games. Unbelievable. All right, 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. 
Uh, one of the texters says, Chuck, if you had the number one pick in the draft, do you go for Caleb Williams of USC? Would he come to Chicago? Because he has threatened, according to published reports, that he may or may not agree to come out of school depending on the team that has the number one pick. My take is this. If Caleb Williams knows he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, he's coming out. And regardless of what team holds the number one draft uh, selection, he's coming out. He's not playing another year of college football and uh, could get hurt in the process. Absolutely not. All right, let's go to the uh, highlights because, listen, the Bears put together a really good three-and-a-half quarters of football today. Let's go with the highlights with a couple of TDs. Third and seven. Fields has all day. To Mooney, he's got the first down. Dragged down by Turner Yell. Justin Fields have a day. 17 more yards. 15th play of the drive. Third and goal. Fields keeping the play alive in the end zone. has a new career high, his fourth touchdown of the day. All right, so the Bears were in pretty good shape, and we're all getting excited. But then, yep, the Bears were the Bears. First and ten, play fake, pressure's coming, Fields lost the football. Cooper scoops it up, off to the races, and he will This is tough. Justin Fields, you never want to have a play like this in a certain situation, but again, it's one of those things where he's turning his back to the line of scrimmage, and we talked about that at the start. They've done such a great job of keeping his eyes in front of him all day. Turns the back to the line of scrimmage there and just does not feel Cooper coming off the edge. He's been nearly perfect all day, but that one hurts. I understand the play call from Luke Getzey. I understand it. I get it. You're trying to misdirect. You're trying to get someone, the defense's eyes going the other way. But edge rushers don't chase action away from them any longer. That's out of the NFL. It's go straight to the quarterback. The zone read and those type of things have taken away what the effect of misdirection does on these edge rushers. They always go right at the quarterback. All right, so after leading by a score of 28-7, all of a sudden, it's 28 apiece. So here we are, folks, 2.57 to go in the fourth quarter, 28-28, and the Bears with a fourth-and-one decision on the Denver 18. Now, keep in mind, okay, keep in mind, Santos has been terrific inside the 40. Since 2020 with the Bears, he has yet to miss a field goal inside the 40-yard line. This would have been a 35-yard field goal. And yet, the Bears head coach, okay, elects to say, we're going for it on fourth and one at the Denver 18. They go for it. And I don't think it got there. I just, I know you guys say you like it. Why not go for it the first time? I like keeping the ball in Justin Fields' hands. Everybody in this stadium knew that that ball was going to Khalil Herbert. I, I mean, you're in field goal range. Wow. 
not only that, you use, you burn a timeout with that process as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're thinking you're going to get it, and, and you do it. But I, I agree with Tiki. I think in critical situations, if you're going to be aggressive and go for it, you put the ball in your best player's hands, right? And you try and give Justin Fields, who's been the most dynamic runner for them for the last two seasons, I, I think you give him a chance on the edge uh, and try and make a play in space. The reason that play failed is Darnell Wright has a combo block. He blocks out and then goes down over the linebacker. Linebacker just beats him to the hole. Yep, absolutely. Poor execution on the part of the Bears' number one pick. So, Russell Wilson gets the football. They kick a 51-yard field goal, and they're up 31-28. And then Justin Fields at the helm for the Chicago Bears. Third down and 13. Santos' career long is 55 yards. Pressure coming. Fields over the middle. Intercepted. Picked off by Jackson. And he goes to the ground. And the Broncos will escape with their first win of the year. And Matt Eberflus is going to have to answer a lot of tough questions after this game. You said it, the decision to go for it, the drive prior, trying to be aggressive, but you got man-to-man -man coverage right here. Coming down, Elijah Harris coming in there. The throw's early. He's expecting him to sit it down, trusting him to sit it down. But to me, that throw has to be on the outside shoulder. Yeah, he's got to In these situations, open. you try and throw that ball to the outside shoulder to create space for, for your tight end in that situation. And Sean Payton, who grew up in Naperville, Illinois... Naperville Central High School and a quarterback at Eastern Illinois gets his first win as head coach of the Broncos as booze rain down on the Bears. Fields played his heart out. Eberflus not kicking the field goal is something that needs an answer. Roller coaster of emotions in this game for Bears fans. Started out a little trepidatious earlier than Justin Fields played amazingly. But these did. last two drives left a lot to be desired. You see him disappointed, and it's tough. There's a lot of positives to take from it, but a hard loss for the Chicago Bears team. Very, very tough loss. Make it 14 straight losses for the Chicago Bears. They go to 0-4. And, and up next for the Bears at Washington on Thursday, we'll have coverage, of course, right here on 670. The score from midnight to 5 a.m., to get ready for Mully and Haw. And that's the case, what we're doing right now. This is live radio. This is not network stuff. We are talking live right here on 670, The Score. And we've got a great morning of Bears conversation coming your way on 670, The Score. We're also going to go to the phone lines, 312-644-6767. You can drop me a text as well. 312-644-6767. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And welcome back. Chuck Swirsky in conversation with you. We have had a terrific morning talking and listening to a lot of people. Very frustrated Bears fans. And I don't blame you one bit. I mean, this has gotten completely out of control. And and here's, in a sense, if I can capsulize what, what's going on with the communication or lack thereof with the Bears. So, number one, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, of the Bears comes out about Chase uh, Claypool. And he confirmed that Claypool was not with the ball club. And quoting Eberflus, quote, we told him that was his choice and he's home right now because he was inactive for the game. Okay, that was the word from the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But then a Bears spokesperson says, well, not exactly. He was told not to attend. Sunday's game against the Broncos after being designated a healthy scratch. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going on. And again, I don't cover the ball club. I'm just a Joe bag of donuts. I'm just a fan. But the mixed message and the signals of lack of communication really is not healthy. And, and so whether it's on the field, whether it's off the field, they got to get their house together. And I love the Bears. I love the Bears. I'm very passionate about the Bears. And it bothered me so much today to see them blow a lead of 28-7 to at home. And, I mean, that place was rocking. You could, I was watching the game, and you could just feel it through the television that, that Soldier Field was going off. So, very unfortunate. All right. Uh, speaking of Eberflus, do we have that ready? All right, Tyler. Tyler Farringle is our producer. Let's hear from the head coach of the Bears. Okay. Um, just got out of the locker room with the players. Um, obviously, a uh, hard-fought battle. I thought the guys uh, had passion, um, had energy. Um, you know, execution uh, was really good in spots, and I thought that was a big improvement. And uh, I thought the guys uh, did a heck of a job of battling. You know, uh, there was some adversity at the end of that game uh, where we had the fumble. You know, return for a touchdown and the, way they, the response for that. I thought the guys did a really good job um, in, in terms of responding uh, to adversity and putting ourselves in position to have a chance to win that game at the end. Um, and there's a lot of good moments in there. You know, you talk about, you know, Justin Fields' play. I mean, he uh, really got into the flow. Um, I thought the, the plan was excellent. I thought the guys did a good job of executing that. And, uh, you know, he distributed the ball to the skill. Uh, I thought we did a nice job of running the football. I think that's going to be important for us going in the future uh, to be able to run the football like that. 
And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, the big moments of this game. You know, obviously we had a really good first half in terms of statistically offense and defense. Uh, really did a good, good job there. And then into the second half, you know, obviously we had the one takeaway for a score. Uh, we responded there. And then we got the ball down there with uh, two, uh, two and some change, 255 and some change. And we had fourth and half a yard. And you have a decision to make there. Um, I love the way our offense was running the ball at that time. And we had a really good chance to seal the deal right there. And that was the, the decision we made at that moment. Um, and again, the response for our defense there. So they ended up getting a chunk play um, after that. And our defense did a good job of rising up uh, to the occasion, uh, making it third and long. And then we forced the field goal. And then we had, uh, had the ball back there with some time uh, to go ahead and at least tie or uh, win the game. Uh, so that's where it was. But again, a lot of good moments um, in, in the game. I'm uh, super excited about those things uh, that we can build upon. It's a short week coming up, um, so the guys have to have to move their eyes forward, and uh, we'll make the corrections. Uh, but obviously, we're, we're all very disappointed um, in this uh, you know, hard-fought battle that we had today uh, in the outcome. Uh, but I certainly can see things moving in the right direction um, for our, for our football team. And uh, again, there's a lot of good things out there that we can build upon. So yeah. with that, I'll open up the questions. Sorry. On that fourth and one, you would still need some other things to go right to win the game at that point. Why did you think that was a better course of action than kicking the field goal? Yeah, just because of the way we were running it, and it was it was a it was a half a yard. So I felt very confident about getting that right there. And uh, you know, every situation is different. You know, you got to look at the game in its entirety. And I think that the way we were running the football and the confidence that we had on offense uh, in that moment, I would say that uh, you know. We're going to do that right there. With half a yard needed, why run out of the shotgun there instead of go under center? Yeah, there's a lot of plays that you can run there. You could have run a, a lot, a bunch of different plays, you know. So that's the that's the play we chose. That's the play we thought was the best at the time. Why, why, though, why did you think that was the right play at the time when you need half a yard to go out of the shotgun? Yeah, I mean, just because you know it's it's about moving people off the ball, and as we've been doing all day, and we just got to execute in that moment. You just did the decision to. Uh, Try and draw them off sides, bang the timeout. Yep. Yeah, that's just the freeze timeout. You get them up there like you're going for it right away, and you, you just freeze, and then, you, and then you, you call timeout right before it, and then you get your best play um, available because um, it gives you a little bit more time uh, to get that best play going and making sure that all the players, the subs are right, and we're all good, and we're set up for that moment. And how do you wrap your brain around Justin's day? Obviously, very productive for yeah. two fourth quarter turnovers on top. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I mean, you, you saw rhythm, you saw timing, uh, you saw that you know the receivers were you know you know in in phase with everybody. You know, they it, you just it was just really good flow to it, and you could feel that. Uh, you could feel that during the course of the day, and excited about the running game. You know, a lot of play passes in there I thought were really good. Getting Justin out of the pocket, using him, running him, and getting him out of the pocket on the move. Uh, so there's a lot of good things we can build upon uh, going forward. What is Chase Claypool's status? Yeah, so uh, when you look at actives or inactives every single week, you know, what we do is we, you know, obviously evaluate, you know, meetings, we evaluate walkthroughs, we evaluate practice, um, and we do that every single week. And then we, we declare Actives or inactives based on that. And uh, this week, Claypool was inactive. Was he not here today? Um, he was not here. Did you guys tell him to stay home? No. Is he chose to stay home. No. He, he chose. What are you asking? Why was he not at the stadium today, like the other inactive players? I'm not sure. So it's his choice. 
we, we, we are we told him that it was a choice and he's he's at home right now. Was he aware that he was going to be inactive before he talked to the media on Friday? What's that? Was he aware that he was going to be inactive before he talked to the media on Friday, or did his comments play a role? No, we always make inactives uh, right before the game. So was did his comments Friday about being upset with how he was being used factor into the decision to make him inactive? It did not. Do you anticipate him still being with the team? Was this a one-week inactive thing, or is he is he going to be on ice for a Yes, while? I anticipate that. Yep. You expect him in the building tomorrow? Yeah. How would you evaluate him? And, you know, obviously he's been struggling this season. He's a healthy scratch this week. Like, looking back, there was a, there was a lot of it was a big trade last year with good news. Mm-hmm. How would you evaluate his performance with this team so far? Right yeah, I thought the, the first week was, was you know, uh, he you know he would agree with this that uh, could have been better. And I thought he played better in Tampa and better the next week, you know. So I think he's working uh, to learn the offense and, and doing a good job with that. But, uh, again, we evaluate that every single week and give us the best chance to win the guys up or the guys down. Matt, would you have preferred that he stay here today? What's that? Would you have preferred that he stay here today? Yeah, that's. I'm not going to comment on that. And on the on the strip sack, what what can happen there? Okay. In the way that they they played it, obviously it's a negative. Yeah, yeah, it was a really it was a good call, good call by them. I mean, they obviously had double edge on that one, you know. So uh, you know, Justin turned around, he was right there, you know. So again, he's either got to dirt the ball or get it to where he, you know he feels the best way to get rid of it. But again, I thought it was a good call by them. So philosophically, you're a defensive head coach. You're calling the defensive signals. You've got a chance to take the lead and give the game to your defense in that moment late. How hard was it for you to not do that? Um, I just thought it was, you know, again, like I said, it's every decision is made based on that particular moment. And at that moment, I thought that that right there with a half a yard uh, to potentially score a touchdown, okay, and, you know, keep, you know, much some clock there. Uh, was the best decision for us and has nothing to do with offense or defense or it's just you know being the head coach i just thought it was the right thing to do well, Matt, look, we've heard a lot from the past year of you guys just they need to learn how to play what is, what is that missing piece of just learning how to win a game where you're up you know 28 7 right yeah, it comes down to the execution, doesn't it? It does. It is the execution piece of it. You know, we just got to do a, a great job in the moments, one play at a time, you know, doing your alignment assignment and executing those plays, you know, offense and defense. And, um, you know, I thought the, the young corners, I thought, did a nice job playing well, you know, well for the first time today. You know, we had some injuries back there, and I thought the guys did a nice job of coming together um, and playing some complimentary football as a whole football team. You know, and that to me is what's going to be the winning formula. You have to play complementary football uh, to win games. You know, and part of that, and the number one job of that is the ball. We got to protect the ball, and we have to get the ball. And if you do that, that's the number one determining factor of any any victory in any any uh, level of football. Um, so we have to get that right. And when we do, and we we play the way we played today, when you get that right, tipping in your scale there, it, it's going to look good. What's that? The interception at the end, what did, from your point of view, what did you see? Yeah, I get to go back and look at it. I mean, I know that uh, he was throwing it to Cole, right? And then uh, not sure if there was contact there or not. I did not see that, uh, but uh, did see that there's a little bit of bump in there. But uh, I had to go back and look at it. And you guys had a lot of talent in the offseason. Yep. You had high expectations. Now you're on four. Uh, there have been obviously issues on the field, but do you believe that you've done your job well during these first four years? You know, uh, when you're 0-4, uh, no one's done the, uh, the job well enough, right? You know, that's that's just the facts, right? So it's so a results business, and uh, we have to do a better job collectively as a group. 
And, uh, again, we're working hard to do that. And I thought the guys put a, put a better step forward, uh, coaches included and players, uh, putting our players in position and then executing. You know, so I thought that was, uh, was, was better today. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. All right, that is the uh, head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus. And we're going to have some closing comments coming up next right here. Plenty of coverage, game day coverage, post-game coverage, everything you want in Chicago Bears. This Chuck Swirsky. And uh, we want to thank Tyler Farringle for his time and assistance and support today. Tyler, thank you. We're going to do it again after the uh, Bears game against Washington on Thursday. We'll be on the air midnight to 5 a.m. But plenty coming your way right here with Dustin Rhodes and then Mullion Hall right here on 670 The Score. This is Chuck Swirsky. It's been a pleasure. Hello? You play to win the game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.